Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that doesn't suck. Now, let's talk tech. Hello, everyone. This is Will Kern from Endless Events, and welcome back to the Event Tech Podcast. He is the lazy Brant Kruger joining us today. <laughs> yes, and that is the expensive Will Curran that you just heard from right there. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like ours were a little insulting today. <laughs> uh, but that's not what we're talking about today. Today we are talking about a news story that just hit the wire and we thought it'd be so interesting to hit your ears. Um, we're talking about a new story that came out on TheVerge.com talking about Primavera Sound Festival switching to mobile-only tickets. Ooh, mobile-only no paper tickets at all. Very, very fascinating. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, one of the things that we're trying to do a little bit more of are these topical posts where we actually, you know, go through the news and kind of do it. So let us know what you think about it. Is this something that you enjoy? Is it not? You know the ways. Hashtag Event Tech Podcast. Let us know. Um, but yeah, this is this was a fascinating article um, that you brought to the table. And it brings up an interesting discussion about this idea of going fully mobile. Now, we've kind of touched on it in the past uh, with some of our episodes. You kind of told your story about going fully cashless uh, at a festival. It might be worth recapping that because I think uh, it brings up some uh, uh, some interesting points. So if you could just briefly recap that story of your experience with a, with a, with a fully cashless festival. Yeah, totally. So um, if you definitely go check out the episode, I think we're, uh, I don't remember which one we talked about. We'll find out. We'll put it in the link of the description <laughs> down below. Um, but talked about my experience on C2 Montreal, where it was uh, a cashless system. Um, all, everything was based into the click uh, mobile kind of tap system. And that was how you paid. Um, and I, I, I'm trying to remember. I don't think they didn't have an option to do cards, but I just didn't bring my wallet because they said like this is the preferred way to do it. Um, but it might have been that you could only do that way because I feel like I would have brought my wallet anyways. But anyways, um, did it, went to pay for food, and their system didn't work. And long story short, I ended up just being like, um, well, I'm hungry. What do we have to do to fix this? And long story short, the vendor just was like, take the food come back to me in an hour. I trust you. Like, right. You had to like play this like old school system of like, I trust that you're going to do the right thing. And, uh, yeah, luckily it obviously worked out for him cause I'm a trustable person, but what if I wasn't all that sort of stuff? Um, but uh, definitely brings up a really good point that uh, I, we talked about a couple episodes ago about always making sure that you have a backup for everything. Um, so I think we'll definitely talk about that today. Um, but what's really interesting, I think, about this as well is that um, it was the apparently this is the first I thought this was already happened. But this is the first, according to the BBC, the first major music festival to completely ditch paper tickets and and forms of uh, mobile ticketing only. Um, they're using a platform called Dice, um, which I hadn't heard of before this article. I don't know if you had uh, known much about them as well, but I'm guessing very much probably focused on the m music festival world. Um, and what's interesting, too, is that this system also will service their nightclubs, their other events, all their tours. So it seems like it was just this big brand, Primavera, basically rolling out that, hey, we don't believe in paper tickets anymore. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's um, uh, you know, we talked about what, what would be the backup plan. It sounds like as long as you've got, you know, an official ID, you know, if you don't have a mobile device, there's other, other, other interesting tidbits kind of in here um, because it's, it's, it's all about trying to curtail scalping and, and um, uh, you know, uh, forgery and those kinds of things. And so the idea 
it, it mentions in here that the QR code actually doesn't appear until two hours before the event. Mm-hmm. So there's no way to like go in and kind of like pick away at the QR code and figure out the details and maybe figure out a way to counterfeit it. Um, I'm guessing, you know, that's a lot of things. So really reducing the amount of time that anybody has available, um, it reduces the possibility of um, where the scalping comes in, right, is that you can't just print out the ticket and then sell it to somebody. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you 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 literally can't get the QR code until a couple of hours before the event. So really, really tuning in uh, to this idea of we want to make sure that the person we sell it to is the person that comes in. You know, so you can't resell it on another, uh, another site. Um, but you can transfer it between devices, apparently. So yeah, if, you bring, really cool. if you buy one for a friend, um, uh, you can uh, you know you can send one of the tickets over to them. But that person also has to have a Dice account, um, and so everything goes through Dice, whether it's refunds or return tickets or all of those types of things. I think it's really interesting because obviously, like ticket scalping, is such like a huge industry, right? Like the markups that that happen on some of these concerts is absolutely crazy. And I know that um, scalping is always a really big issue when it comes to events. Uh, one of my buddies actually uh, is the head of the box office at Comerica Theater, and he talks about it all the time is how you know typical scalping done the wrong way can really really hurt ticket sales um, and can be a really big pain in the butt. And it's funny because when it happens, it's not people look bad on the ticket scalpers; they look bad upon the venue or the artist and everything like that. So the more they can kind of reduce that, the better. Um, and I also do think it's really cool. You can transfer it, um, but they also need a discount, which I think brings in an interesting point related to data as well, because I'm sure there's more in this dice app than just a picture of your ticket. I'm sure it, they want to collect location data, send you notifications, you know, find out what concerts you're going to so they can remarket you to other concerts, things like that. So, I mean, there's definitely, I think, some uh, a play for sure reducing ticket scalping, which is, you know, I'm sure a big part of it, but also I'm sure they're getting a, a little bit more out of the tech as well. Absolutely. And and as we it's, as we move toward this mobile first uh, world, um, it's, it's interesting to see where it's leading. Um, you know, you and I have talked about in our, you know, connectivity sessions that uh, a lot that festivals were honestly leading the way when it came to just things like providing charging places for people's phones for attendees. And, you know, so it's interesting to see now this play being moved, uh, you know, by a festival. Is this going to, you know, our festival is now going to lead the charge just like they have been with attendee charging, just like they have been with cashless payments, just like maybe now they are with ticketing. Is this going to start to expand beyond, you know, and, and, and really push this forward? I think I think so definitely. I mean, like I think there's no reason why we have to print things off anymore. Why why you have to show up with a physical ticket in any sort of way? But like I think that it does bring up a serious concern that I think the article kind of addresses, which is um, if you lose your phone or break your phone, or let's say for example you run out of charge, yeah, like right before the concert starts, what can you do to get your ticket? And they say you know you can just show your official ID and there'll be like a door list, which is I think like almost every corporate event now is like hey, show us your ID and then we'll print you your badge. Um, But I think that it's one of these things that also brings up the point, though, is like what happens um, for somebody who, you know, isn't necessarily technologically savvy? Is this now going to create a new line at the box office that's going to be longer for people who forget, don't have the app or don't want to download the app and everything like that? And it ends up causing more time than someone showing up with a paper ticket. I mean, data will only tell over time. Well, and it brings up the other uh, thing that I, I worry about is kind of the digital haves and the digital have nots, you know, so that, you know, as we, 
you know, are already having issues with, especially in the U.S., with, you know, urban versus rural internet speeds and capabilities and access, um, you know, when you start to assume that everyone has a smartphone. Um, now, I don't know what the target market is for the, you know, Primavera Sound Festival. You know, I don't know if it's a high-end festival or, you know, if it's the kind of thing that anybody can afford. But, you know, you're, you're taking a pretty big leap there, assuming that everyone that wants to come to your festival, or at least the vast majority of people that want to come to your event, are going to be mobile first. Um, and so, anytime you start to make assumptions about your audience, right? Assume uh, and all of the things that go along with that phrase, um, you know, you you run the risk of alienating a portion of your audience. And you know, there may be a certain segment of your audience that doesn't want to bring their phone you know, to, to an event, you know, they're not the ones that are taking selfies and, you know, for whatever reason, they want to just be there and enjoy the show. Yeah. I think you bring up a really good point. Um, and I kind of wanted to share, I think some thoughts around that related to a recent experience that I had this last weekend. Uh, I went to Austin city limits music yeah. festival and they do the, the QR risk or not QR, but the, um, RFID wristbands. So you don't have a physical ticket. You literally just like tap. And if you don't have your, your wristband, you have to go pick it up at the box office, but then they mailed them all out ahead of time. But I remember talking to some of my friends and they said, I, this is my chance to disconnect. I'm leaving my phone at home. And you know, for me, I also thought about it as well. Like I pared down as many things as I could like I had my phone in my pocket and then I put like my ID in one credit card even though like you know it was the payment through us through the wristband which I think was a good separate topic to bring up I tried to have as little on me as possible and you know in the course of things actually in the span of one day one of our people in our group and I mean sample size this out to like 30,000 people someone in our group of 10 lost their phone so you can imagine that there's probably 200, 300 lost phones potentially throughout the entire event um, that could have happened. Yeah, well, what happens if you you lose your phone on there for sure? Um, again, you can go with your ID, but what happens if like you lost, what happens if you're the person who puts your ID in with your phone? <laughs> with the, yeah, the little flip, the little flip thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then you're closed. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I think back to, you know, the early days of mobile ticketing for airlines, you know, for those initial, those first few years, those first couple years, um, I always always printed out the ticket just in case. So I would, st- you know, I would try, I was trying to use the mobile app and use the mobile check-in and, and half the time it would work and half the time it wouldn't, but I could always worst case scenario, reach into my bag and grab the paper ticket. It's probably the same kind of thing. Like you weren't fully comfortable leaving that one credit card behind, even though it was cashless, mm-hmm. um, you know, because you were already bitten by that. And once bitten twice, twice shy, you know, so you, you know, that'll probably be a crossover phase for us for a while that, you know, you're going to want to bring that extra credit card. You're going to want to bring your ID. You're going to want to bring that in addition to your phone, just in case uh, until this stuff starts to become more bulletproof. Totally. Totally. I do think that it, I, I think that it's inevitable that this is going to happen. This is not, there's no way that we're going to keep, yeah. you know, paper tickets around and things like that. I mean, like everyone thought to themselves like, oh, how long could it last that RFID wristbands are going to happen at these music festivals when people are going to pay for it? Oh, people are going to worry about security, things like that. What's what's interesting, and I'm not sure if it's really worth even exploring in this specific episode, but um, the reactions that we had around the ACL Music Festival and the, the, the cashless payment system through the RFIDs, but the thing that was interesting about it is that it was way faster to for sure have your card on the wristband. There was a point where we went to go buy food and everyone tapped with their wristband, had their food within minutes, mm. like or seconds. Yeah. You know, they paid, gone, walked away, good to go. You know, t- enter their pin. Um, and then for those who are curious, how it ends up doing the security portion, 
you tap your wristband and you have to set a pin and then you type that pin in just to make sure someone doesn't like cut off your wristband and go go on a shopping spree. Um, but what's interesting about it is that um, the one of our people didn't do it and it ended up slowing that person down times like at least they went from being paying seconds to paying it was like three minutes long, four minutes long. And you know, that adds up across the line. So um, very, very interesting on uh, on that aspect as well um, across the board for how quick it made things and how easy it made things for sure. I but, I'll, Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say, um, go, go go ahead. I have a kind of a thought process where in the, the the scalping portion too. No, no, yeah. So I would agree completely. You know, we took the family to Disney Disney World and used the magic bands, and it's so easy and so convenient and so fast um, that you're just like, how did I ever do anything without these things? <laughs> to the point where like, you get home and you take it off, and you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, because, because <laughs> you're afraid to cut it because it yeah, feels like a souvenir too. Yeah, it's been your absolute life for the last week, um, and. And, uh, you know, just a teaser on that uh, for folks that we're still working on an episode kind of around the the, the event technology uh, that comes out of Disney. Um, so a little tease on that for something that we're working on and putting together. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to kind of add my two cents on that as well, that it is when it's working great, it really is magic. It's fantastic. And it's so easy. And talk about like reverse uh, avoiding ticket scalping. So I only went to two days of the festival because um, we end up speaking together on the next day. So I had to mm. leave an extra day early. And I was thinking to myself, and people said this to me, that they're like, well, what you should just get rid of your bracelet, like, and just give it to someone or sell it or, you know, yada, yada. Right. And like, you know, my initial instinct is like, I want to give it to someone. So in that way, if they can experience one day of the festival and it didn't cost me anything to help them out, I'd do that. But it definitely made me not give it up. And great, I didn't look too far into this, but because it was attached to my credit card, I didn't want to give it to anybody. Like, even though I, they would have had to guess my pin, yada, 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 all these things like that. I was just like, I don't know what data is on this. I was actually even afraid to throw it away in the trash can because I was like, I don't know what data is on here or what's tied to, but obviously you need the RFID system and everything like that. But talk about, you know, the more you can make it where it's tied to a digital thing and you can't just, you know, give it to someone. Uh, I think the better. And it's interesting how something related to cashless payments ended up deterring me from being able to give my bracelet to someone else, um, which I thought was just really, really interesting as well. It also so, brings up the point, and they, and they mentioned this in again in that Verge article, um, the, the fact that as uh, bots and AI get more um, advanced, um, that's where they're seeing the the problems with scalping, right? And so it's it, you've basically got bots that are going up and buying tickets as as if they were individual users and individual people. Um, and how you know how do you how do you fight against something like that? You know where you know the second that that show goes on sale, you've got you know an army of bots going out and buying up tickets, buying up tickets. Um, it's something that I've run into in parallel when it comes to uh, domain names, right? So as you're looking to get domain names, there's a whole cottage industry of people. It used to be, okay, if you're smart enough, you know, to think, oh, you know, that could be a good domain name. I'll go out and buy it and hang on it just in case somebody wants to get it. But now it's all done algorithmically where, you know, people just have these bots that are, again, waiting for the second those domains expire or go on sale. They run, you know, the bots run right out and start auctioning on it, you know, and just buying and you just set a, you know, set an upper limit. So it requires no human interaction whatsoever. <laughs> and then they just sit back and, you know, put those domains up for resale. Um, I was actually trying to buy my, my wife's name uh, domain 
domain and they wanted like nine grand for it. You know, it's like, <laughs> first of all, that's illegal, but uh, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing. But, you know, <laughs> in this context, you know, we know that's the, what, that's what they used to do for scalping totally. is, you know, get an army of people together, you know, all make the phone calls all at the same time. Um, and so it's just the more technology, you know, more technologically advanced, more sophisticated version of doing that. Um, that's really, really hard to combat. Totally. Um, and I think one of the interesting things about the the bots is that there's been a couple other systems. And I love this art. This article is really great. It's got like, a, I mean, for someone who is not like an, uh, uh, a publication that doesn't cover event tech very, like, yeah. very often, they cover a lot of different stuff on there. So like, for example, they talk about um, the U.S. Uh, passed an act called the Better Online Ticketing Sales Act that basically, uh, which is ironically called bots, that basically made it illegal to be, use software. Um, there's software, for example, like Ticketmaster, which is obviously the the largest ticket selling organization in the United States for sure. I don't know about the world. Um, and they've like created this verified fan program. There's a lot of things they've done. This is obviously like this is affecting their entire industry of ticket sales when it comes to these bots and everything like that. But I mean, ultimately, too, it's like, you know, it's it's we want to get fans in front of artists and allow them to see that and not make it purely about, you know, gouging people on prices and things like that as well. But, you know, it also brings up a really solid point, though, too, that like, what does that reselling market now look like um, once there is no ability to resell tickets? Um, and it, it's interesting, again, about this article is they talk about Twickets, which is trying to create a marketplace um, that allows basically to resell tickets, but has a cap on the price. Mm. So the idea is like, let's create a place that you can do it, but let's not screw people over necessarily. Right. Um, I don't know. It's it's tough for me too to like look at this. I'd be curious to know our audience's perspective. They've probably bought tickets to festivals and concerts more recently than I have. Unfortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, I guess in some ways that I am lucky enough that I haven't had to have that problem where I don't even remember. ACL was probably the first time I bought a ticket for a festival in probably <laughs> seven years because of the events industry stuff we do. But I'm I'm curious to know your perspective, audience. So let us know when you email us, tweet us what your perspective is when buying tickets for music festivals these days. We'd love to hear it. I think, I think you're absolutely right. We're going to start seeing more of these authorized resellers. You know, we're already seeing that with sports, you know, trying to, uh, you know, curb, you know, the, you know, the, the, the street side resale, you know, rather than hope, you know, going down to the stadium and hoping that you can get a ticket, you know, Yes, you're going to pay a premium for it, or sometimes you're not, depending on what the game is. Um, you know, so you know, using things like StubHub and things like that. Uh, I do like that idea, though, that maybe the artist or whoever can put a cap uh, on the maximum amount that you can sell it for. I think that's interesting. Um, an interesting way to uh, you know to deal with the situation when it comes to scalping. Uh, I, I wish them all the best of luck. <laughs> and I do think I do think that does happen um, in some ways. Um, you know, like for example, a lot of artists do specific things. I think to prevent um, them being scalped in some ways. So, for example, a lot of artists nowadays have like initial pre-sale tickets that are only available if you're part of like, a club. Um, you know. Um, I think there's a ton of different ways. Yeah. And, and maybe, to be honest, it might even be worth us doing a whole episode on ticketing for music festivals and concerts to talk into the depth about it uh, a little bit. But um, I'm sure uh, we are not the pure experts when it comes to ticketing. Um, <laughs> no, absolutely. Some, and it's one of the things that in. I wanted to bring up is, you know, again, we're kind of experimenting with the format here as the show. So we're also experimenting with doing maybe some shorter episodes and just kind of these one-off, let's talk about this, you know, for, you know, 20, 25 minutes and then be done with it rather than trying to stretch things out. Because there are so many of those interesting topics that come along, uh, you know, in, in the time that we've been doing this show, and we look at it and go, eh, 
that's you know that's a good twenty minute conversation, but it's not a one hour conversation. And so uh, that's something that we want to experiment with here, starting to throw out some of these twenty minute conversations. The last thing that I want to bring out of that article, and again, uh, I know we've said it a couple of times, but thanks to the Verge and uh, Danny Deal, it looks like uh, was the author of this well written article um, uh, about uh, about the ticketing fees. Uh, is this idea? Um, uh, that we're running into when it comes to hotels, when it comes to airfare, when it comes to all kinds of things. And that is whether you're breaking out the fees or you're bundling the fees. Um, yeah. And so apparently um, the this Dice uh, company got into a little bit of hot water because they were bundling in the fees. And um, their response, is, which is actually a pretty good response, um, is one where uh, they're basically like, yeah, we just, it's a what you see is what you get. Like, we wanted to put it all, that's the price, you know? And so there's an argument to be made, uh, you know, on either side of that, because I know some people are looking at, uh, you know, airfare and things like that and saying, well, I want to know what all is in that, you know, that final price. Or on the opposite side, like hotels, where they're showing one price, but then there's also a resort fee and there's a this fee and there's a that fee. And so the the price that you saw online is not at all the price that you wind up paying. So it's an interesting discussion. I think there's right and wrong on all sides of that. But I think it's interesting that they mention again in this article that that's something that DICE has gotten in trouble with. As a result, the tickets on DICE are looking, are looking a lot more expensive than a lot of the other ticket brokers. And so people are like, whoa, why is this more expensive? Well, because it's all, that's the final price you know it's it's it uh it, it it's and that's exactly the argument that hotels and airlines make is that like hey if we show this price but then bundle it all together it makes us look more expensive so we're showing the base price and then tacking all the stuff on after it yeah i i couldn't agree more i think that um you know a lot of times uh, it's a mix of others and that can be definitely apply i think like to the av industry everyone says like hey like should you line item your prices or what should it look like you know everything like that so um probably for a future episode for sure yeah fantastic further things to discuss let us know out there uh how do you come down on that do you feel like uh hotels airlines festivals do you think the price is the price and it includes all taxes and fees or do you like to see that breakdown or is it somewhere in between where the price is the price and you see the total but if you want to click in and know it's this amount and this amount and a resort fee and all. I think that might be where the happy medium is, that mm. you see the price is the price, but at the same time, you have the ability to know there's a $5 airport charge and there's a this charge and that thing. So somewhere in between. But what do you think? Let us know, hashtag event tech podcast, or shoot us that email, event tech podcast at helloendless.com. Also, let us know, is this uh, something that you're interested in? These kind of short take, um, you know, news of the day type articles uh, where we just give you the hot take on some of the latest news. Uh, that's something we'd like to know as well. Is that something you're interested in? Um, as well as these shorter episodes. Is, is an hour uh, long, too long, not long enough? Let us know, or is it the kind of thing where we just let it roll, and uh, however long the conversation goes is however long the conversation goes. You can find out more about this show at eventtechpodcast.com. We've got all of the show notes there, the links to the resources shared. We'll definitely throw a link into this Verge article that we've been talking about today, transcripts of the show, all the ums and ahs there, and all their glory. Uh, the links to subscribe in your favorite podcast apps, whether that's iTunes, the new uh, the new, the new Google uh, podcast app has actually been impressing yeah. me lately, so be sure and check that out if you haven't looked at it in a while. It's got a lot of features like multiple speeds and cutting out dead space. So when we pause for a really long time, <laughs> that gets cut out um, all throughout. You the just freaked people, out yeah, anyone who like, was like, listening regularly. Yeah, like, exactly. Wait, did I lose audio? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and so, yeah, really check it out. And then, of course, Pocket Cast, my personal favorite, is still leading the charge. Um, so, yeah, check us all out there. You can subscribe. Please be sure to do and rate us on those platforms. It does help with discoverability, uh, the more ratings that we have. So take a moment and give us those five stars. If we don't get those five stars, take a moment and let us know. Again, eventtechpodcast at helloendless.com, what we can do to earn those five stars. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time on another edition of the Event Tech Podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast. Event Tech out. 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 Event Tech it out. Event Tech it out. (laughs) 